<laughs> Whoa, uh, they can't be mentioned. They, some of them are, are quite rude. Um, I won't go there. But uh, I think Makaya. Is there maybe one that that's a little bit um, um good to good to hear on air, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I was actually it was um there was a part you know there, there was some tough tough teams that we played. Um, yeah. Shane Shane Warner's the best chirper in the world. There's no question mm. about it. Um, he is very methodical. He's sometimes extremely rude, oversteps the line, um, but. My word, he was he was clinical and he was he was brilliant at the way he um um he's he it's chatted to batsmen yeah and to try and, and get into their psyche and uh, look I think um it was probably past my my playing days um when I was coaching Warwickshire and I was walking around the ground and um Jonathan Trott was standing at first slip yeah and Neil Carter. <laughs> Neil Carter uh, was was the bowler. He was left arm seamer for Warwickshire. Quite quick, big, burly, stocky guy. Uh, he's now coaching at Bishops. Uh, he's the sports organizer there at Bishops uh, School yeah. in Cape Town. And um, and he was trying to say to him because Trotty was was struggling to get something out in Afrikaans. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> um, and I was watching this, and he was saying to me. How do you how do you say bowl home the inswire in Afrikaans? <laughs> bowl in the inswinger. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I said to him, uh, just shout out bowl on the inswire. Uh. And he he proceeded then to shout across from about fifty yards away across the field from the city end of Birmingham, bowl him the einswinger. <laughs> you know, so, uh, look. It's it's a that I absolutely, Russian. <laughs> it it is it is it's got a bit of I don't know a uh, bit of something else in there as well probably but uh, I I I absolutely just fell to the ground in, in laughter and even the members behind me um, said you know what 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 happened there you know yeah. um, look I, I I tell you what um, there was some I think I played against Merv Hughes um, in '94 he was. Uh, Big, hard-nosed uh, Australian with a big moustache. Yeah. Um, he's one of the toughest men I have ever uh, played against. And uh, um, I think uh, he was one of the – he wouldn't just mince his words uh, 100%. You know, he would tell you exactly what he thought of you. Um, and, and he was a funny man as well, uh, you know. Um, uh, so – Look, there's so many, there's so many bantering moments out there. I think mostly on my side is hardcore. It's yeah. tough. It's um, um, Rodney Hall called me something I would never ever tell to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> he was just uh, trying to get into a young South African, and he was as hard as nails as well. But uh, look, um, I think that there were some great guys I played against and uh, they, they kept themselves quite clean during those days. They, they played hard, but boy, when you know you walk off that field at the end of the day's play, you can sit and you can have a beer together. And that's, that's how the, the sport should be played. Absolutely true. I fully agree with that. And I love the fact that there's so much bands in cricket, but also on the receiving end is you're a man who is used to bowling quite quick at the opponent. 
if I may ask, is there maybe some fast bowler that maybe towards the tail end maybe of your career or at some specific point of your career that you had to bat against somebody that was quite quick and you were like, shoot, I'm not sure how I'm going to face this ball. Yeah, Brett Lee is number one. Yeah. Um, I walked in at the MCG. It was a, a late afternoon boxing day and um, yeah. um, we won the toss and I think we... we didn't particularly have a, had a great day, but I was in second new ball, and uh, I, as I took guard, I looked down to where Brett Lee was coming from, and yeah. that same man, Shane Warne, just he actually met me halfway and asked me if I was okay, and I said, "Yeah, I'm good." <laughs> um, he said, uh, "You're about to face some real pace now. Uh, <laughs> you've come, you come to the end of your playtime." Wow. Uh, you've got a new sensation here and um, enjoy so he's only bowled one ball he's only bowled one ball I've got five to face and uh, wow. I, I will never forget um, I did try to York me first ball Brett Lee didn't really say much to be honest he let his, he let mm. his bowling do the talk uh, which is a, I think a great way of going about it and, yeah. and um, uh, the next one was a bouncer that I didn't really pick up all that quickly and I'd sort of turned my head. I was actually bracing myself for the hit yeah. and it missed me, sure. um, thankfully. And as I turned around, I saw the ball fly through to Adam Gilchrist who stood miles back. And I looked up at the big scoreboard and it said 157.7 kilometers per hour. Whoa. So I thought, I thought Shane Warne is absolutely right. And I looked up at <laughs> Shane Warne having a huge grin on his face. Yeah. And said, I told you so. Um, <laughs> well, he, got me out, he got me out the last ball of the over. I was happy to go. I was caught by Ricky Ponting. Um, the yeah. other guy was, was Shoaib Akhtar. Shoaib was, well, wow. He was rapid. He was absolutely um, out of this world. When he came on the scene, 99 World Cup, he was the sensation. He, his first wicket of the World Cup was against Australia when he yorked Adam Gilchrist at 98.2 miles per hour. Whoa, um, so this kid, this kid, everyone was saying, watch out for Shai Bakhtar, watch out, watch out. And we did, we watch out. He was unbelievable. Whoa. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so yes, batting, <laughs> batting for me at my back end of my career wasn't fun. I didn't enjoy yeah. it. Um, I was hit a number of times. Mm. I was cleaned up a number of times. I was hit by Ambrose, laid me out in Port Elizabeth. Um, I know, I know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and Ak Akram as well, Wazim Akram, left arm over into you all the time. So, yeah, uh, yeah and Messi, Messi facing those boys. But uh, that's what it is down there at the tail end. Yeah, very <laughs> true, no, very true. But, but also... There's no, I, there's no place to hide. Very true. And, and I mean, in your career, you also dished out a few. So there's a fair balance, eh? Oh, gosh, absolutely. <laughs> you know where you stand with that. There's yeah. no... Um, you know, it's a tail end war. And uh, these days, and I think tail end batting has got so much better yes. purely because of that. That's There's true. more emphasis now on scoring big runs at 9, 10, 11. Um, yes. You know, so those guys now, Mitchell Stark, you know, Brett Lee became a good batter. Mm. Um, Mitchell Stark sorted his batting out. Dale Stain could score some runs for South yeah. Africa, you know. So, so Rabada, you know, so um, this, um, all these guys can hold their own now. That's very true. I love what you mentioned there with regards to um, messiness. And the moment you, you mentioned that, I thought of 
the classic scene of a day after playing some good cricket and the kids always lying across the, the locker room. I would love to know in your playing days and also maybe as a coach, who would you think was the messiest in terms of the kits? Because sometimes your pads are lying around, sometimes you just leave your bat lying around in the locker room. Is there any specific individual that was um, specifically messy with, with their kits or they just left their kit lying all over the place? Yeah, Sean Pollock, 100%. <laughs> Uh, Sean Pollock was the worst, uh, he was the, the absolute worst in terms of, uh, he'll, he'll just throw his pads, gloves everywhere, he'll, he'll get dressed in amongst all that mess, leave it like that for five days, oh and uh, then, yeah, and, and you, you don't dare change next to him because it just takes up all the space, oh so, um, and he was comfortably the messiest person uh, um, I, and in my coaching days, I would say Jonathan Trott with Warwickshire. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's just, he is this um, neatest has got to be Jack Callis. Oh, Jack wow. Callis's corner, Jack Callis's corner was always beautifully packed. Yeah. Bats are all aligned. Shoes are all facing the same way. He was, he always said, just get away from me. Give me my space. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he was, he was pretty cool. He was pretty cool. He, he was, a uh, you know, in, in England, we have dressing room attendants, uh, yeah. always come and clean up and, uh, but they don't dare touch any player, player's kit. They just leave them as they are because players are so meticulous mm. in how they left their kit after the day. Uh, yeah. they, they say, just leave it. That shirt, do not wash the shirt. That's going, Atherton was like that. Yeah. Atherton, he nearly made me pass out one day and I walked past him, <laughs> scored a hundred in Joburg and wore the same shirt the next test match. So uh, um, that's, how, that's how sometimes superstitious these guys are. But uh, that's just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a funny world. And uh, what works for you works for you. That's very true. And I'd like now to, to shift the focus to, to the, the shift from being a player to now being, being a coach because... I think in terms of coaching, and you mentioned how important it was for you to go over to, to Warwickshire and how important that was for, for you as a player as you were developing in, in your game. How has coaching changed over the last few years? Because you've now experienced it for over, let's say, three to, to four decades. Yeah. Um, so the immediate transition from player to coach is, you know, some some guys think that it's all about your experience uh, that will that will make it through, uh, that will push you through, and and, yeah. it, and it'll be fine. But it, it, it's actually not like that. You know, it is a, there's a it's not an easy transition. Initially, your experience works, yeah. um, and then you realise you're actually working with people, mm. and you you still have to find out what those people are like. You need to have a great understanding of who you're working with because um, obviously everyone's different and you need to treat everyone on a different, um, uh, um, in, a, on a, in, a, in a different way. Yeah. So, and understanding, finding out what those guys are about, what their game is about, um, you know, and then, so it took me a while. It really took me a while. And, and I think that uh, spending uh, uh, two years with Paddy Upton and uh, and, and and Gary Kirsten uh, in the Pro Protea setup. Yeah, 
um, really opened my eyes uh, a great deal in terms of um, what they, how they went about, you know, their blueprint, how they went about um, uh, treating the Indian cricket team when they won the World Cup in 2011 was, uh, you know, I couldn't stop asking Paddy questions about, you know, how did you treat Tendulkar different to Saywag, uh, to Dhoni, to, yeah. you know, they, they dealt with unbelievable egotistic people. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in the Indian team. Mm. But they found a way individually to get those players to play for them. And mm. I think that is skill, you know. So um, the, the game still remains basic. Yes. You know, bat and ball remains basic. The attitude towards the game has changed now. Yeah. Um, it's more aggressive. It's more expansive. It's more risk. Um, and that is what 2020 cricket has brought. Mm. But I think to add to my philosophy is to give, to, to, to bring an empowerment element to coaching to say to a player, you don't have to worry to fail. Yeah. You know, that famous, that famous saying about uh, train to win and learn to lose. Yeah. So, um, but today's player is, I, I've found a lot of it and I've seen it and, and, and is so worried about what the coach thinks and, and less of, you know what, you're allowed to fail. It's okay mm. to fail. Fine. But you've got to not stop expressing your flair. Um, yeah every single day. And that's my, my philosophy because I knew how I grew up. If I think about it, those guys like Hansi Cronier who gave it to me, he gave me a license to express my pace, yeah. to express the risk yeah. I wanted to take because he knew that I was a match winner. So what do match winners do? The moment you cuff them, the moment you shackle them and tell them you can't be that expansive, yeah. it's not going to work. Yes. It's not going to work. So I was so lucky that Bob Wilmer gave me that, Hansi gave me that, to, to go and just give it a crack. You know, mm. so when you fail, you fail, it's fine. That's okay. So, uh, and, 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 you know, I'm, um, so that, that is my way of treating it as well because I have a, a very good understanding of what I feel our players need to be successful. Mm. And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to for this young squad at the Knights this uh, next year. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we will have a season. Uh, Definitely. Um, but, uh, so it's a, it's a tricky one. It's a really tricky one. It's a great, you have to find a fantastic balance between um, giving them the rope to be able to succeed and express their flair and also have a solid game plan in place where you have to accept that that game plan can go wrong at some point yeah. and, and how those, and giving those guys the act, you know, giving, giving them the, the, the rope to figure it out for themselves as well, yeah. because there's a huge responsibility thing on this. And, and that's what I don't see in, 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 especially at first class level, there is no, there's not that so much player responsibility mm. in, you know, the coach told us to do this and yeah. the coach told us to do that. That's So I'm going to try and unravel that, um, that whole thing and saying, right, you know what? You've got freedom to do what you want to do. This is the game plan. If we don't quite get there, what is your next step to make that work? So, yeah. and to go for him to go and figure it out. So that, and that's how, you know, that's how you, 
you generate and, and, and fast forward the, the, the player uh, responsibility on himself, um, but also the leadership within the group. That's how we grow as leaders. And that for me, I, leadership for me is, 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 is everything because I was allowed in my own way yeah. to find in leadership qualities in a leader in a bowling group. So, um, so yeah, look, it's, it's fairly complicated. Um, yeah. But uh, in a nutshell, that's, that's what I feel, you know, can work. Very true. I love what you mentioned there because coaching is such a technical thing, especially in a sport that is so technical like cricket and how the modern game has evolved. But when I think of some of the coaches that have actually done this well and have been so successful, a name that you've mentioned now, Gary Kirsten, what do you think made him stand out as a coach, both in South Africa but also in India? Well, it's a great story, that actually, because um, yeah. India approached Gary, um, and he's very open. I, I actually almost fell off my chair when I heard this because it was so it was so honest and it was so Gary Kirsten the way he did it. Yeah, and. They flew him over there expecting him to do a full-on presentation, um, but they never told him. They never told him that he must come and do a presentation. So he arrived there, sat outside the door. They, find, they called him in, and I'll keep the story very short, but they called him in, and they said, okay, so what is your presentation? And he said, you never told me. Mm. Okay. Oh, they asked him a few questions. They made him sit outside the door. They call him in about two hours later and said, well done, you're the Indian coach. Wow. Um, so so he's, he went home and thought about this and how I could, how am I going to do this? How am I going to coach this Indian team that have got all these amazing superstars in them? Yeah. And then, you know, the light went on. Paddy Upton got Paddy Upton and said, listen, how are we going to do this? You know, you need to help me to coach this team. And that's how that relationship started between Paddy and Gary, where Paddy, Paddy was the, look, he's a, he's a professor, he's a psychologist, he's, he's a very, very intelligent man, and he works with businesses. Um, uh, you, loads of people can go on his website, um, and he's got a book out now, The Barefoot Coach, which is a, um, which is a brilliant book, absolute brilliant book. Um, and, and tells you around really of, of teaching people, teaching people and people teaching other people. So it's, it's, it's an awesome, and, and that's how Gary and, and Paddy went about this thing of, um, you know, uh, the Tendulkas, the, the Donies, the Saywags, the, wow, you know, you just name those names, just roll them off. Yeah. To, um, so, and, and, but they had this method, they had this, way of getting this team together to play for them and, uh, and of course when they won the world cup in 2011 that's the first thing that that Tendulka said that um you know we played for gary kirsten we you know and and it, it's a long story but it, it, there's a you know for those who are looking for that book guys look it up you'll you'll learn a lot from that it, it, it's absolutely amazing Sure. No, that's that's amazing, and I think for for a young cricketer to to be able to to hear such a story, it 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 speaks of the journey that one has to also travel, but also some of the principles that come with having a great coach. And and I mean the ability for you to play for your coach is incredibly powerful. It speaks to unity as well in terms of of a team unit. But having looked at all of these amazing people around you in terms of your playing career. 
Now, when you specifically made that shift to say that I'm now going to go into the coaching world and looking at your coaching resume um, across um, Sri Lanka, um, India, sorry, um, England, as well as South Africa and New Zealand as well, what specifically are some of the standout points that you have taken away from so many dressing rooms? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd, it was a awesome front row seat in in sitting um, not just the coaches themselves being in that dressing yeah. room. You know, you 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 sit in in an in an RCB change room, and you look around that change room, and you see Gail Coley, no. De Villiers, Watson. <laughs> Watson, Dan Vittori, who's he was the coach. Trent Woodhill, uh, another feisty young Australian coach. But um, just and you go around the players and you just listen to their stories and you and you think, wow, you know Watson, um, I love the guy. Yeah, he's just a an absolute uh, gem of a bloke. Um, you know, I heard so many stories about him. And I'm thinking, how can you possibly be so wrong? Yeah. Um, and, um, and having Shane Watson, he just shared so many things about their dressing room and how they involved their culture. Yeah. So that those words jumped at me. Mm. And I've always believed that the best teams have a very, very strong identity, a very strong culture and unbelievable values. Mm. And those players, all they will all say that. that when, yeah. when all their success that they've had, They've always had those things in place. That great Australian team, uh, you know, you go to this this wonderful world of the co- the, uh, a coach being in a position where he doesn't actually coach. Mm. You've reached the stage of a self-sustainable team, yeah. which takes a long time to to establish. Yes. And, and 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 all those coaches, you know, I was with the Australians. I was with Darren Lehman. I was with um, uh, John Wright, Australia. I was with Peter Moores in England. Um, then, um, oh, oh gosh, um, he's going to kick me for not remembering this. <laughs> uh, the, the Sri Lankan coach, um, at this, at, and, he, and he's a South African. Well, I'm having a, a, a dark moment. Uh, uh, Graham Ford, got him. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, and, and and they all they all talk about this bubble of success or the pyramid of success. And mm. but the Australians in those in that year when they won everything in the in in, in the early two thousand, they absolutely obliterated every team. They were self sustainable because they had so many leaders within yeah. their group. And that's the toughest thing to establish. And mm. and that, those are the things that I made notes at night in my in my, in my room when I you know, after every late night of us at, uh, um, uh, during your IPL and you can't sleep, those are the things you write down. Yeah. Those are the things you memorize and you write down. You know, these are the things you build presentations on. Um, but, but most recently, I've done a lot of research on um, coaches in the NFL. Oh, and wow. uh, I, found, I find that fascinating. Um, How so? There's a, there's a, well, I, I just, you know, there's a... There's, a coach that they've, they've um, rated as the best coach in, in American sport history, and that's Bill Belichick. And um, he's won six Super Bowls with the New England Patriots. And I've started looking this guy up. Um, yeah. And not, not just recently, but mm. before. Just sort yes. of, you know, who's this guy, Bill Belichick? I want to I know more about him. 
fascinating, absolutely fascinating in his in his world of how he sets up a team mentally. Yeah. Um, he they make sure in the draft that they buy the best players they can possibly buy, but also his philosophies and his his cultures and values and identities never change. He reinforces yeah. that big time, and that's why mm. he's got so much respect. You know, so. The research on other coaches is, is wonderful and the access you have now to, to see how players create successful teams is even more so. so but I've written so much stuff down um, on my own and, and, and sort of packaged them here and there and yes. learning from other coaches. And, and coaching is learning. Every Ooh. single day you learn something new, you know. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a fascinating but very interesting world.